Welcome to the Michigan Man Podcast on Wolverine Sports Radio, a member of the V-Sporto Network and in partnership with SB Nation's Maze and Brew for Wolverine fans from coast to coast. Go Blue and welcome to the show. I'm your host, Mike Fitzpatrick. After Saturday's weather here in the Detroit area, I think most of us understand why the spring game was canceled. It was a nasty weekend with monsoon rains, some ice, and even some snow. It was still a productive weekend, though, as the team moved indoors to scrimmage and entertained some elite talent on a very important recruiting day. This week, the team wraps up their 15 practices and gets ready for the trip to France. As is usually the case in the spring, very tough to take anything away from these practices. No one has seen this team take a snap. We've heard what coaches and players have said about the workouts, and as you might expect, they all tell us great progress has been made, and we hope so. Beat writer Aaron McMahon from MLive will join us in just a minute with his thoughts on spring practice, Shea Patterson, and much more. First, a few news and notes to get us started. Spring game weekend has always been big for recruiting. It seems we always generate a few verbals on or shortly after the game. This year, of course, there was no game, just that indoor practice. By Monday morning, we had two high-profile commits, moving the class of 2019 up to number four nationally, number one in the Big Ten. I know it's only April, and there is a long way to go with this class, but it is off to a very good start. On Sunday afternoon, Michigan flipped four-star defensive back to Corey Couch. He had been committed to Tennessee. He is on the smaller side, 5'9", 150 pounds, but had offers from plenty of the big-time programs. He attends Chaminade Madonna High School in Hollywood, Florida. On Monday morning, we picked up another offensive line commit, our third in this class, 6'5", 280-pound Jack Stewart from New Canaan, Connecticut. He is a three-star and rated the seventh-best player in that state. After practice ends this week, most of the team will pack up, get on the plane, and head to France for a week of sightseeing and bonding. There might not be as much fanfare as last year's Rome trip, but it's still a very big deal for these kids and the program. My guest today will be traveling with the team, and we look forward to his coverage next week. Aaron McMahon from MLive joins us next here on The Michigan Man on Wolverine Sports Radio, a member of the V-Sporto Network, and in partnership with SB Nation's Maze and Brew. Back with us on our game day segment this week after quite a while. He's a beat writer, Aaron McMahon from MLive. Aaron, it's great to uh, talk to you again. Yeah, it's good to be back, Mike. Thanks for having me. Well, we say this every year, Aaron. Uh, fans are excited about spring practice but when it gets underway. But in reality, uh, other than injuries and the spring game, we don't learn much about the team this year. No spring game. That kind of makes your job a lot tougher, though, Aaron, doesn't it? It does, yeah. Um, you know, I've been talking about this all, all week, really. Last year, even, you know, the media got, you know, not only spring game, but even they had three practices overseas in, uh, in Italy that were open. So really had, you know, four good looks at the team and, and uh, you know, the players on the roster and everything else. You know, it's a good opportunity to see some of the younger guys just to see how they're, you know, maybe fitting in or developing or how they're looking. Um, you know, in this case, in this season, you know, we don't really get that. You know, we're, we're um, kind of going off with what the players and, and fellow teammates and, and, you know, the coaching staff is saying. And it's not just, you know, disregard what they're saying, but, you know, they oftentimes like to put, you know, a positive spin on things. And that's cool. Um, but, yeah, I mean, we're not going to – we didn't get a look. Uh, they decided to 
uh, to cancel the spring game for weather concerns, and rightfully so. You know, the weather wasn't great on Saturday, uh, and they ended up moving things inside uh, for their indoor closed situational scrimmage. Uh, they let the media, or they let excuse me, they let uh, you know family members of players and coaches in, and they had recruits in and everything else. Um, but yeah, by by the time spring practice ends next week, uh, yeah, no one, media fans, no one will have seen anything from this team. And that's very true. And most years uh, after the spring game, we talk and talk and talk until practice starts uh, in August, primarily about what we saw in the spring game. So this year we don't even have that. And I'm I'm not sure that's a, a bad thing, though. No, no. You know, and, and like you said, you know, you don't think you get you gather much from spring game. It's it's more or less you know just a um, you know just a, a glorified scrimmage, glorified practice. You know, the coaches don't like to you know. Show much, you know. They're not going to show much the playbook. They're not going to show much the personnel groupings. It's more or less, you know, sending a bunch of guys out there to run around and do some stuff for a couple hours. Um, you know, and I, I think in this case, Big Ten Network was supposed to televise the events. Um, and in fact, I think Michigan had, had you know, scheduled the thing, the, the whole event around um, being ready for the, the TV camera, so to speak. So, you know, it's like you mentioned, it's glorified practice, something for the fans and everything else. So it's, at the end of the day, you don't learn much. Even though there was not a game, the team did scrimmage indoors Saturday in front of family, and there was still a lot of uh, big-time recruits in town for the weekend too, Aaron, so that was important. Absolutely, that always is. You know, it's one of those things where they get a lot of, a lot of guys in, a lot of guys are looking at, a lot of guys that are maybe on the fence about Michigan. Um, you know, spring and the spring game is unique too for that, in that regard because you know Michigan obviously always draws big crowds at the big house and and everything else for the spring game and they didn't really get that this year. You know, since they moved everything in, everything was a closed environment. Um, that things might have been a little bit more intimate for the recruits, so maybe that's that's a good thing in that regard. Um, by the same token, you don't get you know to to usher the recruits out in front of you know forty, fifty, sixty, you know however many thousand people decided to show up for this game, uh, for the spring game. So it's, you know, it's, 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 it's a catch-22. You know, the recruits got to see Michigan, and they got to see, I'm sure, everything, um, but they didn't get to experience the, uh, the full atmosphere in, uh, inside Michigan Stadium. One of the visitors, uh, the recruits flipped to Michigan after the visit, a four-star defensive back to Corey Couch from Hollywood, Florida. He is a nice pickup. Yeah, yeah, he came out um, Sunday afternoon, uh, decided mm-hmm. to make his announcement. Uh, five, I think he's five nine and a half, uh, one forty eight. So he's a little on the small side. Um, you know, he's obviously got some time to grow and everything else. He is a he's a four star uh, defensive back. I think he played old corner. Someone had him listed at safety. Uh, another recruiting service had him listed as an athlete. So I, I suppose he could play elsewhere. Um, you know, he's obviously a guy Michigan liked him and the other teams did. I think he had two dozen scholarship offers. He was obviously uh, he had committed to to Tennessee. Um, over the summer, um, others like Michigan State and Oklahoma uh, were after him, and, and in some ways still are. Uh, so no, it was, a, it was a big pickup for Michigan. I think that jumped them to uh, top five nationally when it comes to uh, rankings for their 2019 recruiting class. Number one in the Big Ten, uh, number five nationally. They got one five star. They've got six or seven four stars at this point. So, so far, so good when it comes to the 2019 class. Well, Aaron, none of us saw a snap this spring, of course, but the players, as you had mentioned, were made available a few times to talk to the media. And, you know, one word I heard and read a lot from the offensive guys was simplifying. It sounds like Jim and the staff have been trying to make this 
and for lack of a better term, a more user-friendly offense for the players, doesn't it? Yeah, that's that's what we kind of gathered. Um, you know, when talking to the offensive linemen, uh, some of the receivers and everything else, the playbook has just been simplified. Um, especially with the offensive line, you know, that was something we saw um, re- them really struggle with last year. Um, I think under Tim Drevno, I think things were so complicated. Um, you know, and this was brought up the other day with uh, for the linemen, but they made the comment that maybe you know when they got to the line of scrimmage last year, you know, for a play during a game, um, you know, the linemen we had maybe had five or six reads to look at um, from the defense, and now they've simplified it down to maybe maybe two or three. So there's less thinking involved. Guys know what they're doing um, right away, um, and and when you got a young team or an inexperienced team like Michigan had last year, I think that's it makes a difference. You know, guys' heads aren't spinning; they're not um, overthinking, and I think that's what you saw a lot of last season. Um, so yeah, between between that and uh, you know, Ed Warner's come in, and um, he, he seems like he's done a good job of evaluating guys and kind of putting them in, in one or two spots as opposed to three or four, which we saw last year also under Tim Trevino. Um, so you know, and that's not to knock Trevino. Obviously, he's he's had a you know a long history and a long tenure and everything else. Mm-hmm. Um, but when it comes to a young team, like I mentioned, a young roster and experience, those things matter. Um, so they've they've really you know gone back to basics, so to speak, here early in spring. Um, they evaluated what they have and who they have, and maybe where they fit best. Um, and it sounds like, and obviously we're going off the players and everything else, but so far so good. It's kind of been a clean slate uh, for everyone. In particular, we've been hearing that the young receivers really struggled with their roles in the offense last year. You did a piece last week on Oliver Martin, and he said that. Jim McElwain seems to think that entire group is getting better. And, you know, I think a large part that may be because they have a receivers coach this year, Aaron. Yeah, you know, that was one of the things when, you know, Mac going to Bra and even before him, Danny Eels briefly, um, you know, Michigan didn't really have a dedicated receivers coach last season. You know, you had Pep Hamilton working with them, obviously. You had some GAs working with them. Um, but there was no, I don't think there's one real guy they could kind of go to and, and you know, rally around. Uh, now they've got that with Jim McElwain. Um, You know, obviously he's, uh, he's coming off being head coach of Florida and and everything else, um, but you know, like there's a dedicated guy there, there's someone they can go to and and talk to all the time and take, get advice from and everything else. I really think of most of the, you know of all the position groups on this team, especially last season. I think it was one of the spots where I think Michigan desperately needed someone to to kind of oversee and lead. I mean, plenty of plenty of young guys over there playing true freshmen, sophomores. They got a lot of playing time last year. You know, having McElwain there, I think, is, is bodes well for this group. You know, um, I, I'm thinking they're going to take a big leap between Donovan Peoples-Jones and you know Tariq Black. So he's healthy and ready to go again. Um, and you and you got several other guys back there. Oliver Martin, like you mentioned, Nico Collins. Um, I think of all the position groups on this team, uh, this has the potential to be you know maybe have the biggest improvement next season. We heard Jim say, uh, you know, in, in years past. He even said it last year that he wanted his offensive defense to be like a 33rd uh, NFL team. So I think it's true with the reevaluation he did over the uh, spring and the winter months. That might be good when you have a veteran team, but it looks like as part of their review process was, was definitely the conclusion that they needed to just, for all those position groups, make it a lot more simple. Yeah, yeah. and I, I think it would have, you know, voted well, especially last season. We And we talked about this all year, you know, how young mm-hmm. that team was and how inexperienced they were, how you know maybe they had lack of, of starting experience. Um, you know, sometimes it's it's better just to go back and kind of simplify things, go back and, and go back to basics. And I, I think that 
uh, should bode well for the, this team in 2022. Injuries in spring, always a concern. So far, knock on wood, uh, Ben Mason has been the only serious injury. Uh, meniscus injuries or tears aren't what they used to be. The uh, The repair process is much better. And from what it sounds like, Aaron, he is expected back by the time camp starts. Yeah, he'll be back. Uh, Tyrell Wheatley, I think, suffered injury as well. He kind of uh, early in spring, so I think he miss, he'll miss the rest of spring practice as well, but for the most part, from what we've been able to gather, Michigan's been relatively, um, you know, scare-free with injuries, especially mm-hmm. those key positions. You know, it, with Wheatley and even Ben Mason, Michigan's pretty deep at tight end and fullback and everything else and, and running back, so they've they've got plenty of bodies there, and there's really no concern, um, and that's a nice thing, too, like you mentioned, it's spring. You know, they've got time to recover over the summer, um, and, and you have fall camp. So I guess if you're going to get, if you're going to injured, maybe now might be the best time to do it. Over the second spring in a row, the Lavert Hill has missed most of spring practice. And from a piece you did last week, you know, with Coach Zordich, he came off as uh, as if he was unsure why Lavert wasn't hmm. practicing. What is your read on that situation? Yeah, that was a real interesting one. You know, Mike Zordich is known, obviously, for not holding back and giving his thoughts. You know, like I can remember, you know, last year during fall camp, him coming out, and I think it was a week or two before the, the season opener against against Florida, and him being upset about, you know, how how is the, his, his quarterbacks were playing. So he's he's not afraid to, uh, you know, to make his opinions known. Um, he came out last week and, you know, pretty much, you know, it was critical of Levert Hill. Levert, I guess, has missed all but, you know, the first two pr- spring practices with some sort of hip or growing issue. Um, Zorich didn't really know what. Uh, so that tells me that maybe they haven't really gotten a look at what his injury is. Uh, maybe Hill doesn't want them to look at it. Um, but at the end of the day, he just hasn't participated. I think that's what's frustrated Zorich the most. You know, Hill is, is a talented kid, obviously. He's part of, you know, Michigan's number one ranked past events last year. You know, he's expected to start again at, at corner this year. Um, but, you know, at the same token, I think he's already um, realizes all that. And I, I think he's he's just frustrated that Hill isn't, you know, maybe wanting, have, wanting to practice more. But again, same token, I, I haven't seen the injury. No one's seen it. So they don't really know how severe it is. Uh, Zorich is an NFL guy. He wants guys to um, to kind of fight through that stuff and play through it. Um, and I feel, I feel like he feels... Uh, doesn't want to do that. With us here on our game day segment this week is beat writer Aaron McMahon from M Live talking about spring practice, which is wrapping up this week. Uh, Aaron, the offensive line has been a focus this spring. We knew it would be uh, a new offensive line coach and Ed Warner. And from what we hear, Aaron, the interior of that unit pretty much set. But who will man the tackle positions? That's still a mystery, isn't it? It is, and there there's several guys you know up for grabs there. Some some of which of which, you know, got significant playing time last year. Um, you know, the, the interior, you know, it was always a, it was a question mark, but you, you knew there were bodies there to fill the spot, you know, over the, over the, over the off season, you know, you could theorize the place and everything else, but it, it sounds like, you know, that's pretty much been set. Like you mentioned, they've got Cesar Ruiz who they're uh, intending to, to, to sit there for, for the rest of his playing career at Michigan. He was a natural center when they recruited him. Um, they play him in, at guard and, and some, and maybe a little bit of tackle last year kind of more as a feeling out process but you know the, the whole the entire goal eventually was moving back to center they've done that um ben bredesen is sticking at, at left guard um sounds like michael Anwenu is going is to play at right guard he, he saw a lot of uh, playing time last year at that position started several games um but the tackle position has several guys kind of rotating in and out of there um joan bushel beaties up there um you know john runyon jr no one Lizio, uh chuck Filiaga. 
uh, James Hudson's name has come up, um, Andrew Stuber. So there's several guys working at both positions. It sounds like they're in, in talking to Runyon and, and Bushel Beatty last week. Um, it sounds like they're, they're rotating at both spots. Um, and, th- and the tackle position was, especially on the right side, was an area of concern last year. Michigan's pass protection was not very good, um, and a lot of the problems that stemmed from that, that right side, uh, that guard and tackle spot. Um, I think they're pretty they're pretty happy about guard. Uh, tackle obviously going to remain a, a question mark. Mason Cole did, did a fine job at left tackle last year. He was still playing out of position a little bit, you know, knowing that he's, he's going to play center and guard in the NFL. Um, but I think if Michigan can solidify that tackle spot, find two consistent guys. Um, you know, that, that play well under, under pass protection. Because at the end of the day, that's really where Michigan's line struggled last year. You know, they, they ranked 90th in, uh, in tackles for loss allowed. I feel like I've been a broken record. I've written several times in the last <laughs> few months. And, and 110 in sacks allowed. Uh, pass protection just was not good. Um, obviously, the quarterbacks obviously didn't play well. There's, there's, there was obviously struggles with the receivers. Um, but at the end of the day, when, when you've got constant pressure coming to the quarterback, it doesn't make their life any easier. Um, so Michigan's got some things to figure out at the tackle spot. But they've got several bodies. They've got several guys to figure out there. Um, and they've got plenty of time to, to do it as well. Well, a question that has been asked this spring, Aaron, is uh, will Grant Newsom be cleared to play this year? From your understanding, Aaron, and I know that it's been hard to glean any information on on that topic, is there even a, a remote chance he is going to be cleared? I, I think there is. You know, it, it sounds like he hasn't been, um, you know, denied yet. We, we've talked to him a couple times. We talked to him a couple times over the off season. Um, I can remember one instance. I think it was uh, January or February. Uh, there were uh, like a public event at uh, Children's Hospital in Arbor, but um, you know, Grant was expecting to hear a, a something back from his doctors relatively soon. Um, apparently, he hasn't gotten that yet. Um, he's been going through rehab and all that. He, he's basically completed it. He went through full winter conditioning with his teammates he did everything with them i guess um so he's it sounds like he's doing everything he was able to do before he said he sounded he felt good and, and wanted to play again uh, but at the end of the day it comes down to the doctors and whether they think you know playing again is good for that that left knee that he severely damaged um you know i, I could see it i can envision a scenario where he is clear to play and allowed to play and everything else but then it comes down to whether or not he's the the same player as he was, uh, you know, two years ago when he suffered that knee injury. Uh, Michigan, you know, needs um, someone responsible. Obviously, on the, on the left side of the, the left side of the line, that's not to say Grant can't play because he's he probably would be fine and everything else. But I, I have to question his speed and his, you know, his just his ability to, um, you know, that that, that 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 range of motion and everything else he had a couple of years ago. You know, if someone doesn't. It, it's I, it's tough for someone to go through an injury like that that nearly. And we've heard the story before, you know, he had to have his leg amputated and everything else to, to going from that to, to playing every day again. You know, he had a bright future when he played a couple of years ago. He looked very good. Um, you know, and if they, I think Michigan would love to have him back. Um, and But at the end of the day, how effective is, is he going to be? And I think he realizes that. I think the coaching staff knows that. Um, so it's we're kind of waiting to see. You know, I think we, obviously we'll get an answer, I'd assume, over, over the summer. Uh, we thought we'd have one for the spring. We haven't gotten it. Uh, but by everything I've heard, he continues to work out. And, in fact, he's taken a little bit of player coaching as well. A lot of the assistant coaches have marveled at, at the job he's done, just watching tape and, and giving advice and, and you know letting the coaches know about things. He's a very bright individual if you talk to him. Um, people joke that he could be the future next president. Um, but he's, 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 he's in good spirits. Uh, it's, you know, it's, it's a tough situation for anyone, I think, especially for him, because you, know, you want to play football and everything else. 
but at the end of the day, you know, you've got you've to weigh your knee and, and everything else. Well, who will be under center this fall is also a mystery, Aaron. We hear Shea Patterson has looked very good this spring. We've only heard that from players, of course. But until his status is cleared up, it makes it tough to name a starter, doesn't it? It does. You know, it's something and I kind of feel for her on the coaching staff, not, you know, not knowing about you know Patterson's eligibility. So they're kind of having to go through, you know, the spring um, you know, with three guys that could potentially be a starter next year. So it's made, I'm sure it's made things difficult for them just in terms of snap distribution and everything else. Uh, but it sounds like between him and Brandon Peters and Dylan McCaffrey, all three have really gotten uh, equal reps. Um, it, I, we have obviously haven't gotten the scene thing. Um, we've heard good things. Uh, one of the things we keep hearing about from the players is how each, each one of them does something differently, better. Uh, Patterson, we've heard about, heard about his mobility and you know, ability to make plays out of the pocket and scramble and things like that. Um, I, I'd assume that he brings you know that little different wrinkle to the Michigan offense, I think, which helps um, in terms of him throwing the ball and his accuracy and everything else. Obviously, we'll we'll leave that up to to see. You know, we obviously we're not privy to all that stuff. You know, it's an interesting off season for Brandon Peters because you know, he started four games last year and was thought to be you know maybe that this, the guy in 2018 before before Patterson arrived. Um, he's got a big spring, I think, to, to prove that he, he still can be the guy because, you know, if Patterson is ruled out ineligible by NCAA, and it's, it's quite, you know, possible at this point, um, you know, in, you know, uh, Peters is the, could be the guy. I mean, he's got the most experience on staff starting. He's familiar with the playbook. He's been through this before. Uh, and then you got Dylan McCaffrey, who's, you know, been um, highly touted since that Michigan got him. He, he registered last season. Um, by all accounts, has a very good arm, very good knowledge of the of uh of the game you know his brother played in, in the nfl and everything else so it's been well documented as well i think michigan's i think that they're, they're looking pretty good for the future um, they've just got to settle on someone and it seems like that's this has been a thing for the last you know several years now between quarterback competitions and not knowing who the guy is going to be um, but absolutely i think patterson's eligibility will be step one in determining all that i suspect we'll hear something soon here in the next week or two um, it's basically come down to an NCAA decision. You know, they've got everything that they need. Uh, there's been obviously a lot of back and forth between Patterson's uh, agent Thomas Mars and University of Mississippi over their uh, objection to him not being not getting a waiver to pull, uh, to be able to play. Mm-hmm. Um, but at the end at, at the end of the day, the NCAA has everything that they need. They're reviewing all that, um, and then they're going to make a decision. Well, in other news, uh, Aaron, last week Wilton Spate made the decision to play his fifth year at UCLA, and that was after some talk he might stay here uh, in Ann Arbor for his fifth season. What are your thoughts on his situation? Yeah, I'm, I'm, you know, I was glad he's able to land somewhere. That was, I guess, the concern. You didn't really see the name pop up anywhere in terms of visits or anything else. And like you mentioned, there was talking and possibly coming back. Uh, he, he says he's healthy. He says he's able to play. He's got one year eligible remaining, and uh, he's able to find a home. You know, obviously when you're when you're a grad transfer, it's, it's unique because you know you're obviously looking for the, the right fit in the program you want to go to, but you've got to you've got to gauge and, and look at their their quarterback situation, whether or not he's going to get to play or not. He's got one year left. He's he's not looking to go somewhere to, to necessarily sit on the bench. He wants to start. He wants to play. Um, UCLA is this has an opening. You know, it's a good school. It's it's a it's a it's a power five school. Um, it's so it's I think it was favorable to him it's out, it was out in the west coast as well he's been working out in Los Angeles for the last few months after graduation so 
Um, I guess it seemed, it seemed like a good fit for him. Uh, UCLA's, they've got several quarterbacks on their on their roster, um, including a, a grad transfer that's coming in from Washington as well. So you can have some competition. Um, but there is no clear-cut favorite out there, and it's probably the best situation for him for him right now. Absolutely, and the best of luck to Wilton. I'm sure you will make the most of it and show people he is, a, I think, a, a much better quarterback than uh, we saw early last year and then when he was injured. So I would not be surprised if he's the starter out there, Aaron. No, no, he's definitely got the talent and ability. I'm curious to see how he, how he bounces back from the, the vertebrae in the yeah. back and everything else. Um, you know, he seems like he's healthy. I, I can remember him posting a picture on uh, Twitter after, I think after the season, and him kind of swinging a golf club, I think, <laughs> to, to show people and prove that his back is, is fine and his range of motion is fine and everything else. Um, but you know, I'm hope I hope he's able to bounce back. It's that's a tough injury. That's something mm-hmm. that not everyone's able to to come back from. And he he did it pretty quickly and swiftly. I think as we all saw on the Amazon Prime show, he worked his butt off and, and got back. And he wanted to play again. Uh, he just you know it just wasn't going to work for Michigan. You know they were rolling Peters and things were looking up and everything else. And but no, he's he gets one up last opportunity. Like I said, he'll be able to play right away in, in 2018. And uh, we'll see where the, the quarterback competition handle. Um, ends up out there and out there in, at UCLA. Well, again, it's the last week of spring practice uh, for the team, and then it's off uh, to France. So last year, of course, the team went to Italy. A ton of media coverage. Uh, it also helped they had three practices on that trip to Rome. Uh, you know, there's something, though, Aaron, I don't sense that same enthusiasm from the media or the fans for this year's outing to France. Do you? No, I think the... You know, I think the the, the wear or the uh, allure has probably worn off with this. Uh, last year, obviously, it was unique. You know, it was the first time Michigan kind of had done something like that. Um, and, and the fact that they were practicing overseas, like you said, I think made a big deal. You know, you know, it's not something most programs do or can afford to do. Uh, so it was a, it was a, it was a bigger deal. Um, this year, it's more going to be it's going to be another team bonding event. It, it largely was last season. I mean, they were there for a good week, ten days, uh, and they spent almost all day every day doing something, whether it was going to an attraction or, or going out to eat or practicing. They're always together pretty much all day, every day. And I suspect that'll be the same again this year, just without the practices. Uh, they're going over for a full week. Uh, they're spending most of the time in Paris, from what I understand. Uh, and they're going to spend, I think, a day at the, the beach in Normandy. Uh, so there's, there's, sure there's a lot on the plate, a lot, lot planned. Some players, just like last year, won't go. You know, we, we talked to a couple couple players last week. In fact, I think Jerome Bushel-Beatty was one who, who plans to graduate here. Um, so in graduation weekend is, is next weekend. So you got to make a choice whether or not to, to, you know, walk across the aisle or go with this team to, to Paris. And, you know, the coaching staff leaves that up to the players. They can kind of decide. So Michigan will probably carry, you know, 70 to 80% of their guys. Some guys will choose to go home and see family. And cause that's some, they don't really get to see much of that between the summer conditioning and off-season conditioning and, everything else so no it's a, it's a good event for the players you know the whole trip is is privately funded so it's it's you know they're, they're allowed to do um you know they'll do and see things that many of them probably won't ever do in their lives uh, it's a free trip and you know it's, it should be a good experience it's you know michigan did the rome and in italy thing last year um and then they're doing france this year and it sounds like this is going to be a, a yearly thing at least that's kind of the plan uh, but no, it's it's an opportunity to take the players you know across 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 the the sea, across you know another country, um, and I think it works as a recruiting tool too. You know, you can kind of you show recruits about Michigan facilities and everything else. You can also point to, hey, we're 
we're doing these weekly uh, or these yearly spring trips to uh, to foreign foreign locales. Yeah, I think it's a good thing, very good thing for uh, recruiting. And I shouldn't have said the media isn't excited about going because you <laughs> get to go to this, and I bet you're looking forward to it. Yeah, I am. I've never been to Europe. You know, I've, I've been in you know most of the U.S. and I've been in the Caribbean a couple of times and everything else. So to be a first trip to Europe, looking forward to it. Don't know much French, so I've got to bone up on my <laughs> on my my language, but uh. You know, I'm looking forward. It should be fun. I think it's going to be a great experience for everyone. But, you know, when the season ended, Aaron, we heard Jim Harbaugh say he was going to reevaluate himself and his staff and make changes, and he did that. Now we're going to have to see what all of that means when the season starts. But it is interesting because even the players have been saying in the off season, Jim's been a different kind of a guy uh, this winter and spring. And the players seem to like that change in him, Aaron, from what we're hearing anyway. Yeah, yeah, that was something we've heard. You know, the first couple of weeks of practice, Jim kind of hinted that, you know, he was, you know, changed a little bit. He said that he kept saying the team was rejuvenated, he was rejuvenated. Uh, and in talking to some of the players, it sounded like the end of last year. You know, he realized things didn't end well. You know, he, ended, he realized things didn't end on, on the note he wanted him to. So it sounds like... They had some type of team meeting shortly after the Outback Bowl, and he basically told them, like, what you know, what do I need to do better? What do you want from me? It sounds like he, he saw the input from the players, and they, they gave it. You know, you know, details are scant. They didn't tell us much, but you know, they, they changed things from a from a conditioning standpoint. They brought in uh, you know team nutritionists and everything else. They've they've changed the way they eat and the things they eat, I guess. Um, and, and Jim himself, I guess, has changed. You know, he's apparently become more uh, of a emotional. Uh, uh, friendly, approachable guy. You know, the joke is that the, he, he walks around asking for hugs now. Um, you know, I've, I've seen that, but it sounds like he's making an attempt to be closer to the players. You know, it's something to be more approachable because, you know, Jim has a reputation of be fo- being football all the time, all day, every day. Um, and in some, you know, some degree he still is, obviously. But I think that turns some people off at times. You know, guys get, you know, they, they don't want to hear it sometimes. They, they want to, you know, focus on something else. They, you know, they think he's, too hard on them, whatever the case may be. It sounds like Jim's making an attempt, uh, you know, to try to be a, a, a nicer guy, a more approachable guy. Uh, it sounds like it's worked. You know, I, I obviously we're not behind the scenes, so we can't see any of that stuff. But it sounds like Jim had more of a reassessment time period and looked back and may, realized maybe some things didn't work. And and uh, we'll see if it makes a difference or not in 2018. Well, a final thought, Aaron. Uh, as we've been saying, it, it, spring practice comes to an end this week, as we know. Won't be long before the preseason magazines hit the shelves, believe it or not. And the focus is going to turn to the opener with Notre Dame. And the reality is we really won't have any idea what this team is or what they have become until they tee it up that night in South Bend, will we? Yeah, that's that's about right. You know, you you go through camp and you get closer to the season opener, and you you know you, you finalize rotations and starting spots and everything else, and you think you have an idea, and, and sometimes people do, um, but at the end of the day, it doesn't really matter until they you know step on the field. I can remember you know last fall, obviously, I had a Florida game. There was so many so much concern about the experience and maybe the talent level on the offensive end and everything else, and we saw them go out and play. You know what people thought was going to be a pretty good Florida team, and, and they beat them pretty pretty good. Now, obviously, Florida didn't end up being that, that team that people thought, um, but it, it's tough to gauge things when you're not a, you know when you're not um, there watching, you're not there to compare, you're not there you know to, to to take things in, I guess. And that's what that's what makes things so so unique and so interesting. You know, you're kind of spitballing at, at this point. Um, you know, I know the fan base is obviously going to always be optimistic and 
and, uh, and hope things go great and everything else. Uh, but you're right. It doesn't really matter. Or you, you don't know until you step on the field and play a football game. Um, that, that season opener against Notre Dame is going to be important uh, just from, I think, a uh, morale standpoint. You know, the, after the way last season ended, you know, Michigan's losing streak to end the year. I, I think a loss there would be would be tough just for everyone to swallow. Uh, but the same token win too, I think would, would change, you know, shut people up. So speak. there's a lot of criticism, a lot of, I'm sure a lot of pressure on Jim Harbaugh to, to win more. Um, obviously the fan base won the big 10 title. They want a you know, a playoff appearance and, and all that. Uh, and, and you know, that first game one against Notre Dame will be a, will be a big test early on. It's not going to be a kick, in the, uh, you know, walk in the park and, uh, It'll be a, it'll be a big game, important game. We're looking forward to your coverage uh, next week uh, when the team goes over to uh, to France. So that should be interesting. Uh, the next time you and I chat, we'll be getting ready to uh, tee it up, and it won't be long before the season. So we look forward to that. Our guest on today's show on our game day segment this week, Aaron McMahon, beat writer from M Live. As always, Aaron, it's great to have you on the show, and we look forward to our next visit right around the time the season starts. Always. Thanks for having me, Mike. Quick Hits is next as we wrap it up for another week here on The Michigan Man on Wolverine Sports Radio, a member of the V-Sporto Network and in partnership with SB Nation's Maze and Brew. On Quick Hits today, softball will be in East Lansing Tuesday to take on the Spartans. After going 6-6 six and six through its first 12 games of the season, Michigan has won 29 of its last 30 games and each of its last 11. Michigan hit 225, averaged 2.9 runs per game, and combined for a 1.24 ERA over the first 12 games. Over the last 30 games, the Wolverines have posted a 354 batting average, averaged 6.8 runs per game, and posted a 1.01 team ERA. Freshman Megan Bobian leads the nation with 25 wins, three more than North Carolina's Brittany Pickett and UCF's Aaliyah White, who is in second place and became the sixth freshman pitcher in program history to hit the 20-win milestone, doing so in just 28 total appearances. Bobian leads the Big Ten in every pitching category, while she, senior Tara Blanco, and freshman Sarah Schaefer rank 1-2-3 in the Big Ten in both individual ERA and hits allowed per seven innings. They will be home this weekend for a three-game set with Maryland, then off to Indiana next weekend for a showdown with the Hoosiers, who are just a half game behind us heading into this week's play. Michigan is 35-7 overall, 10-1 in the Big Ten. Following a four-hour, 18-minute weather delay, Michigan baseball clinched its 17th straight win on Saturday evening with a 6-3 victory over Maryland in the second and final game of the weekend series at the Wilpon Complex. Michigan has now won 17 games in a row, which marks a new record under head coach Eric Bakic and is tied for the program's longest win streak since 1988 when the Wolverines won 18 straight. The series sweep is also Michigan's fifth straight. The Wolverines are 21-11 overall, 8-0 in the Big Ten, and will return to play on Friday when they open a Big Ten weekend series with Penn State. First pitch for the series opener is scheduled for 4 p.m. at the Wilpon Complex. Don't forget our free show app is available from both the Google Play and iTunes stores. You can also hear us on Stitcher, iHeart, TuneIn, Wolverine Sports Radio, and as of last week, we are on Spotify. If you get the show from iTunes, please take a minute to comment or rate the program. Thank you in advance. That will do it for another week. A quick program reminder for you. 
As many of you know, we are a weekly show from August through April, twice a week actually during football season. But from May through July, we slow it down to recharge the batteries and relax, enjoy some nice weather, if that ever happens around here. We don't go away, though. I'll still have two shows a month for you, and we'll throw in a Michigan Man Extra each month. And I'll remind you of that again next week. Have a great Wolverine week, everyone. I'm your host, Mike Fitzpatrick. Until next time, take care, and as always, go blue. Thanks for joining us today on The Michigan Man here on Wolverine Sports Radio, a member of the V-Sporto Network and in partnership with SB Nation's Maze and Brew. Our listener lines are open 24-7 for your calls at 313-263-4842. That's 313-263-4842. Or email us at themichiganmanpodcast at yahoo.com. That's themichiganmanpodcast at yahoo.com. The Michigan Man Podcast is produced at the studios of Robin Lynn Productions, Allen Park, Michigan, and is not affiliated with the University of Michigan. Go Blue!